You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. On the way, this is Beth White, your host this morning, and we have up with us next Father Robin Ryan, and he is Associate Professor of Systematic Theology at Catholic Theological Union here in Chicago. Good morning, Father Robin. Good morning, Beth. Thank you for joining us. So, Thanks for having me. It's always good to talk with you. Absolutely. So welcome back to our show. I know we had you on before to talk about uh, Pope Francis's uh, um, letter on holiness, uh, so we uh, are coming back to a topic about Jesus, and our first our first um, guest was Josh Dennis, um, just so you know, and Josh wrote a book on living the fruit of the Spirit. So we were just talking about the Holy Spirit and how, as um, those who evangelize, we evangelize through witness and how people can see the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. And so Father Robin is... Um, he was my Christology professor all the way back when, right, Father Robin? When we way were both back, children. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so I asked Father Robin, he has a book coming out, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. But I wanted to talk about um, answering this question who is Jesus? It's a question that I prompted in my director's letter last month in our in our monthly newsletter from our office and this question of um we we see in scripture uh jesus asked peter who do they who do you who do they say that i am but the question is who is jesus in your own life so i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how we can come to understand who this jesus is well, I think there are a lot of ways, you know, first of all, to be familiar with the Scriptures, to do our best to know the Scriptures, and especially the New Testament, and to a lot of study helps that help us interpret and read and pray with the Scriptures. You know, we also get to know Jesus through the sacraments, through mm-hmm. His presence to us, especially the sacrament of the Eucharist and reconciliation, hearing His Word and experiencing His presence, His forgiveness, His grace. There are also a lot of spiritual books to read on, you know, a lot of great wealth of our spiritual tradition. And I think we also get to know Jesus through other people, people who teach us, who really incarnate the things we hear about Jesus in the Gospels. I included that in my little book that I wrote. I think for most of us, and we've talked about this before, Beth, that, you know, each of us has an image of Jesus that is formed from our early childhood if we were brought up in faith. It's like, I like to think of it as like a mosaic, and I guess the artistic word for those little pieces of a mosaic is tesserae. They're tesserae, and they're drawn from many different parts of our lives, from the earliest our earliest schooling in the faith, maybe at home or in religious education from parts of Scripture that particularly touch us, passages of Scripture that we remember. 
from people that we've met, uh, from spiritual books that we've written that, or, or that we've met or read. And so it's, it's a series of little pieces. You know, I was thinking about this. When I was doing my doctoral studies, I was drawn to a particular theologian, you know, who he is, Carl Rahner, and Carl Rahner wrote a lot about the Sacred Heart, mm. and uh, I found myself drawn to that and studying that and writing about it. And One day, it occurred to me, a connection with my earliest childhood, growing up in St. Paul's Parish, north, the north side of Richmond, Virginia, where I'm from. When you went into St. Paul's from one of the main entrances, you passed the statue of Christ the sa- with the Jesus, the Sacred Heart. Mm. And we often would pray there on the way out of church on Sunday. And I never really made that connection, but that was so much a part of me, I guess, that mm. when I came to study theology, it sort of made itself known, even though in a hidden way. I think that's a lot true for a lot of us. Right, right. So I think I love the. I've always loved that image because in many ways, the mosaic is never completed in this lifetime, right? So we're constantly adding, while you had your childhood piece that you then explored in your doctoral studies, you've met many people along the way that have probably influenced who Jesus is in your life as well, right? From that childhood time, right? And so it's a constant, we were just talking about the fruits of the Spirit and this concept of growth and that um, we... Jesus can never be fully known, right? That there's a constant growth pattern here of having to be continuously open to who Jesus is in our lives, right? Yes, and sometimes, you know, our image of Jesus needs needs to be burnished, needs to be, yeah. you know, refined and, and maybe corrected. Sometimes mm-hmm. we've, we've gotten the, the wrong image of Jesus, and, and we do, so we let our own image of Jesus sort of intersect or in, in relate to the, the church's tradition about Jesus, what mm-hmm. we hear in the scriptures and teaching as a way of kind of purifying or refining our own image, because sometimes that image gets some of those pieces that aren't so helpful for right. us. Right. So you have a new book coming out, Gazing on His Face, A Christ-Centered Spirituality from Paulus Press, right? Right. Coming Hopefully out sometime this year. Sometime. Yeah. Excellent. You want to share with our listeners a little bit about the book? Sure. The book comes, um, I did a retreat uh, called Gazing on the Face of Christ several times for religious and for lay people, and that led to some CDs that I recorded with Now You Know Media, and then finally to a book where it's updated. And I just take um, eight images or titles for Christ and and reflect on them in eight chapters with an intro and a and a, and a conclusion. So that the images are Christ the Friend, Building Friendship with Christ, Second, Christ, the healing presence of God. Christ, the caller of disciples. Christ, the bread of life. Christ, the good shepherd. Christ, priest and brother. Christ, the prince of peace. I draw especially on Cardinal Bernadine's book, The Gift of Peace, there Mm. in that chapter. Mm. And Christ, the good Samaritan. One of the places that has recently inspired me was that document you talked about at the beginning, Pope Francis's exhortation on the call to holiness in today's world. He has a beautiful piece in there, uh, uh, one of the most beautiful quotes I've ever read in any papal document on contemplating the face of Jesus. And if mm. you don't mind, I'll read it. No, if that's okay. Pope Francis writes, We need to remember that contemplation of the face of Jesus, who died and rose, restores our humanity, even when it's been broken by the troubles of life or marred by sin. 
We must not domesticate the power of the face of Christ. So let me ask you, are there moments when you place yourself quietly in the Lord's presence, when you calmly spend time with him, when you bask in his gaze? Do you let his fire inflame your heart? Unless you let him warm you more and more with his love and tenderness, you will not catch fire. That's one of the most compelling mm-hmm. quotes I've ever read in a papal document. And um, it also kind of updated my interest in writing this book. And I quote, quote the, that passage in, in the introduction to the book. So our, our, the theme of our show is on the way, and it's about evangelization. About evangelization, I need more coffee. Tell me why is it important for us to reflect on the face of Jesus, to sit in his presence, if we're going to be an evangelizer? Well, I think you have to get to know the person you're going to witness to. Yeah. So, um, yeah. and I, I, I took these titles sort of as like windows, mm-hmm. windows into the mystery of, of Jesus Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. we're never, we never wrap our minds around the mystery of Christ or, you know, can describe the whole mystery. It, it's always something that we're on the way to an understanding, mm-hmm. but by, by reflecting and, and, and bringing our lives to Christ again and again um, under these different images and the many other images that the Church provides for us, we get to we get more insight and, and a little glimpse of the mystery of Christ that then we try to reflect in what we say and what we do. I begin with Christ the friend because I really think that's important from John chapter 15 of John's Gospel when Jesus tells his disciples, I've called you friends at the farewell discourse. Teresa of Avila was a saint who built on that notion of friendship with Christ. And so I begin there because I think it's important to begin there. Why is it important to begin there for you? Well, I think our, you know, our experience of friendship is something that we can all, um, you know, we've all had and we can all relate to. Mm -hmm. And it's an inviting image of Christ that's not scary and... Mm -hmm. That is that there's a, there's a sense of mutuality to it. You know, the friends friendship is based in mutuality, give and take. And I think that's there in that notion of friendship with Christ. And also, we we meet people who whom you come to come to understand after a while. This is a real friend of Christ. Mm. This is one of Christ's close friends, and they teach you about friendship with Christ. Right. I think friendship with Christ sometimes is hard for folks to wrap their mind around, though. Um, you know, the whole concept of Jesus, this, you know, divine human being um, that he would call us friend. Why do you think that's an important place for us to come to in our relationship with Jesus? Well, it's not the same as having him as your buddy that you have in your back pocket that who never you, challenges like, have you. beers with, right? <laughs> no. Right, right, no. But friendship is... You know, the classical tradition of philosophy talks about friends as the characteristics of friendship as um, beneficence or um, and benevolence and mutuality mm-hmm. and seeing the friend as another self. Mm-hmm. And so all of those characteristics that we know from real, our good friends, we can apply to Christ. And it it reflects someone who walks with you, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Teresa of Avila said that that he is friend at our side. She talked about Jesus as friend at our side. That's something we can relate to and depend upon. I in the book I talk about 
meeting a man when I was 19 years old, a freshman in college at the University of Richmond in Virginia. And I was involved in a little bit of volunteer visiting in a, in a kind of a poor area of the city. It was kind of a rundown rooming house area. And I met a man named George who lived in the, in the front room of a kind of a drab front room of a rundown rooming house. George had, had epilepsy, severe epilepsy. He, uh, and the doctors at the public clinic that he went to had trouble getting the right blend of medications to treat the epilepsy. He also had some cognitive deficits, though he was more astute than people realized. He knew how to use that for his benefit. And he was on SSI. He barely made it from month to month. Uh, and he lived in that one room. But, but I soon realized that this was a real friend of Christ. Uh, when I would knock on his door, I'd often find him sitting on the edge of his bed with a large Braille volume of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. He was legally blind. Yeah. Uh, reading the reading this New Testament, and on every every Sunday morning he would get his cleanest pair of pants and his cleanest jacket, which hardly ever matched, and he would take the bus downtown to Centenary United Methodist Church, where he worshipped. Yeah. And as a young person who was trying to decide what to do with my life and where to go with it, this was before I became a passionist. Uh, he was really someone who affected me and helped me to understand a little bit about. What friend, who, who is a friend of Christ? Oh, it's a beautiful story. We're going to take a break right now um, to, um, to take a break, and we'll be back to continue our conversation with Father Robin Ryan about his new book. More and more people around the world are interested in their family history. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. The 23rd Annual Monsignor Michael Bolin Golf Invitational was unfortunately canceled for this year, but we are still gathering online to offer support to Catholic Charities Family Stabilization Services that benefit each year from this outing. Catholic Charities has been working nonstop throughout the pandemic to help the growing number of people who have lost their jobs and never before imagined needing assistance. Can you help us help them? Become a sponsor, purchase raffle tickets, or simply make a donation to help people who are very much in need this summer. This special online drive and raffle continues through August 31st. For more information, visit the events page on Catholic Charities website and look for the Monsignor Bowen Golf Invitational. Thank you for helping make this a major win for a great cause this year. Do you have a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. 
Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back to On The Way. This is Beth White, your host this morning. I am speaking with Father Robin Ryan, who is an associate professor of systematic theology at Catholic Theological Union. And we are talking about his upcoming book that will be out hopefully this fall called Gazing on His Face, A Christ-Centered Spirituality by Paulist Press. So when we left for break, Father Robin, you were talking about um, Christ as friend. And what are... You mentioned that each of the chapters focuses on a different title of Christ. What is another title that you find to be very compelling in your own spirituality? Uh, I think it's Christ the Good Samaritan. Mm. You know, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan in answer to the question about who is my neighbor. But in the early church, um, great preachers like Augustine and Ambrose and Origen of Alexandria when they preached on that passage, they, they talked about the real Good Samaritan is Christ himself. Mm. I have an icon in my room, a little simple, inexpensive icon of Christ the Good Samaritan, and it shows right over on the wall across from where I'm sitting, Christ, you know, a man helping the wounded man up on a donkey, and over in the distance you see a building that's kind of a cross between an inn and a church. And so when the early fathers of the church preached about this, they talked about the church as the place that should receive the wounded of the world, mm-hmm. and Christ is the one who brings them there. So I've always re- related to that image, I think, in a time of a dual pandemic when we're dealing with COVID-19 and also the grappling with the scourge of racism in our country, mm-hmm. that image of Christ, the Good Samaritan, who brings the wounded to the, to the, to the church, to the end, to be cared for. Uh, speaks to us. It also relates to what Pope Francis talks about the church as a field hospital. <laughs> it's actually what came to mind when you were saying that is that whole sense of, but that requires going outward, right? And caring right. for those that are outside of the church where everybody, most people are right now, right? Most people are not in our churches right now because of the pandemic. And what do you think that challenges for us um, as we reflect on Christ the the Good Samaritan. You mean right now? Yeah, right now. Well, things like what you're doing here, Beth, and that is to continue to create ways of connection, connecting believers with one another, connecting mm-hmm. them with Christ, and uh, uh, just providing means to for them to support one another. This is a this is a time when it's almost like living in a persecuted country where you can't go to church. Right. There's no persecution, but the persecution comes from a virus, I guess. Yeah. And um, and so we need to find new ways to support each other. And hopefully out of this, who knows what will be the outcome, but hopefully out of it will become a, a deeper appreciation of faith and a deeper appreciation mm. of Christian community. Mm, exactly. So what are, um, share with us a little bit more about um, why this book, um, I know you said it was a series of retreats, but what was it that 
got you even started down this path of reflecting on the different titles of Christ? Well, I think it was teaching Christology over the years. I've taught the course for many years, and you suffered through it one time in Boston. But, um, <laughs> no suffering whatsoever. <laughs> right. Go ahead. But, um, you know, Christology deals with, with theology and um, mm-hmm. the study of the person and work, saving work of Christ, and we deal with a lot of theologians and councils and the Bible. But I also thought, how can I connect this to people in the pews, to the normal person who comes on retreat or just trying to develop their spirituality? So... It really so grew if, I can out in, of a, if I can interrupt you, that's where we say you connect that head knowledge with the heart knowledge. That's what we sometimes talk about. Um, so go ahead. Sorry. Well, that's what I tried to do, yeah. and uh, whether I'm successful is another question. I tried <laughs> to write it as a book that um, most people could read. It doesn't. Right. You don't have to have a degree in theology to read this book yeah. and um, try to draw on experiences of life. Well, what people don't know about you um, that I know about you is not only are you a systematic theologian, but you're also a passionate priest, passionist priest, and you also uh, used to run a retreat house, right? Right. I ran a retreat house in Queens, New York. And Actually, I'm giving a retreat right this week, even though it's online. So giving an online retreat for a group of uh, seminarians and priests, in particular religious order, since we can't meet in person, right. giving the talks on Zoom. So... We're all doing the Zoom stuff right now. (laughs) So why, um, from those two perspectives, the very um, intellectual understanding of, as you said, to reflect on who Jesus is in the Bible and in church teachings and in books and things like that, and then how is that balanced by that personal experience of Jesus? And, And sort of how do you help a person sort of move into both of those spaces? Well, I've always felt that, as, as a theologian, that you had to blend, you had to integrate mind and heart, mm-hmm. uh, head and head and heart, um, because otherwise, you really have a truncated understanding of the tradition. If you if you look at the the great theologians of our uh, tradition, people like Augustine, even Thomas Aquinas, or someone like Teresa of Avila or Hildegard. Um, they were able to bring the head knowledge that they had and integrated into their lives, mm-hmm. in, into their their affect, the, the way of behaving, their way of understanding. And, you know, the tradition has taught us that there's a knowledge that comes by love that you can't get anywhere else. Mm. That, you know, Augustine talked about that. There's there's faith, but real faith is a faith that's been purified and and, and empowered by love that, that enables you to catch insight in in ways that you can never do purely just by concepts or ideas. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And so this book then, for you, must also be a labor of love for you to reflect on this Jesus that you've studied for so many years um, and all read, I know, because I know you, all of the different theologians that you've explored through the years. Um and so what do you hope that the, our listeners, um, when they pick up this book, which they will, um, what do you hope that they will get out of this? Well, I hope that they'll maybe gain a greater sense of Christ as a real person present in their lives, Christ mm-hmm. is alive and um, present and active in their lives, and, of course, most of all, for his great love and fidelity in their lives, you know, no matter what we do and May we often fail and fall away that Christ is tenaciously faithful to us. 
So I hope they'll get that sense and, and also learn something more about our tradition. I was challenged to write this book by my family. I'd written a couple of other books before this on theology, and some of them found them hard to read because they're not <laughs> trained in theology. So they asked me to write a book they could read. So I'm a big family. So hopefully this is a book they can read. You, um, your book on um, God and the mystery of suffering, right, of human suffering, um, is also a great read. It's very theological, but the, it's bookended with a beautiful introduction and summary conclusion written by you that's both of which are incredibly pastoral. Um, also a great book to read during this time. I would think, um, don't you think, for someone who wants to grapple a little bit with what we're suffering through right now? It is. You know, it's, it, it'll, be, it'll be a challenge for some people yes. because there's a lot of theology in there. It's, it's not an easy read, but no. um, hopefully it's, it's also by, uh, published by Paulus Press. Um, I go through a lot of different, the history of theology about how Christians have talked about God's relationship to suffering. And it's, um, I think today with a lot of people suffering, it's a good, um, and like you said, it, it might be a little challenging to work our way through, but uh, it is a good read in terms of really just wrestling with some of that instead of the trite sayings that people have, but to really see the complexity and the mystery in it all. Um, in, in this recent book to be published, I talk a little bit about that in the chapter on Christ, priest, and brother, mm -hmm. based on especially the letter to the Hebrews where the author keeps telling them that Christ can be our priest because he first became our brother, like us in all things but sin, including the experience of suffering. Mm. So I uh, talk about it a little bit there in that chapter of the book. Well, we're going to wrap up our conversation. Thank you so much, Father Robin. Look for his book. We will have more information about how to access that book on our website and in our resources. So thank you so much, and thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you, Beth, and thanks for the great work you do for all of us. Oh, thank you. God bless. Thank you. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media. Come